Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Everything Mariners podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jackson, and I'm joined with, by Nick. Hello, I'm Nick, and we're also joined by a good friend of ours, Brandon. Hi, I'm Brandon, the resident Cubs fan. Yeah, I don't know why we let a Cubs fan on to this podcast, but I think we're just We'll see how long he lasts. This is very true. Okay, all right. Just so I have the best takes on the podcast, so I don't want to hear... the least biased member of this podcast when it comes to Mariners takes and whatnot. And on that note, we are trading the entire Mariners roster to the Cubs. Yeah, that seems valid. Yeah, I, I, It's unbiased. <laughs> Sorry, let us know if you just want us to drop them right now. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think to for the first episode... Since we're we're starting mid season, I think we should start with uh, discussing the trade deadline since that is coming up fairly quickly. August second. August second's a weird for... date. I feel like August first makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, isn't it normally July thirty first? July thirty first, August first, something like that. Yeah, we hey Tuesday's a good day for a deadline, you know. Tuesday is Tuesday. Who needs them Sunday or Monday deadlines? Wait, we got Sunday two... makes so much sense, actually, like July 31st, because that's a Sunday. End of yeah. the week, end of the month, nah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you need to get those last-minute trades in on, the, on Monday night, 11.59 p.m. It's like submitting homework. Okay, okay, moving moving on from our from our disgruntles with the, the deadline date, I think... I think we should start off by addressing the main Mariners need, and that's looking for a top-end starting pitcher. And there's a few of those on the market. Um, you've probably seen many different uh, rumors going about. The main ones you're going to see are Luis Castillo and Frankie Montas. But then a third name has been recently thrown into the mix with Tariq Skubal, who is a very DePoto-esque player to trade for. And so... Um, any of those pitchers would definitely make a rotation better, but it's, it comes down to prospects. Uh, I mean, for me personally, I'm loving Tariq Skubal uh, for, for the Mariners because if we look at the Mariners' rotation, uh, like we have a couple of good starters, but I think who the person that is replaced has to be Marco Gonzalez. Uh, so if we trade for a righty, that leaves us with four righties and one lefty and Robbie Ray. Um, so, and if we look at Tariq, um, he is so much better, uh, with his peripherals than someone like Marco. His, his FIP below three, way better Ks per nine, um, his home runs per nine this season going way down. It's not really shown up in his ERA plus or his, uh, ERA, but he's definitely, uh, consistent uh, from last year to this year, looking like he's improving. Like, the strikeouts are down, but everything else he looks to be improving on. Uh, and then if we were to replace Marco, that is just a significant um, increase to the production of the rotation. And Marco out of the bullpen, I feel like that role can suit him pretty well. Jackson, Jackson, wow! Good, good info. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. There's stuff going on in my house. I, I can't help it. Um, I, I agree with Brandon's takes. I mean, I think Trick Schoolball is a good guy to add. I, I think if we do add him, we, 
I, I don't think Marco should be a guy to go to the pen. I I like George Kirby and all, but as a rookie, I think we need to you know manage his workload, and I think him coming out of the pen will be much better on a rookie than on Marco. And adding Tariq Skubal really gives us a lot of depth because right now, if, say, one of our guys is to go down, then what are we relying on? We're calling on Matt Brash and then bringing up Chef from the from AAA. Like, I'm not a huge fan of that. But I, I think is a good guy to add. Castillo, I think I'd prefer Castillo. A little bit older, but he's shown better stats this year. So. Yeah, I mean... I, either of those pitchers are an obvious upgrade, and when looking at like just the surface, I feel like Marco looks like one of the obvious guys to replace, which is tough to say because I love Marco in our rotation. Just today, he went out and pitched a quality start, seven innings, two runs, on four hits or whatever. I mean, he's just that, that kind of starter, and looking at like his baseball savant page, for example, or um, some of his... like. Um, advanced stats they don't jump off the page um he actually has a very blue baseball savant page which we all know is pretty bad um but he's been like that his whole career and it's kind of tough to replace a guy who's just like an innings eater and i kind of agree with jackson in the sense that george kirby they've already tried to start managing his innings and we've seen him go down to triple a even with his last start which would make it more difficult for me to say hey you need a take it slow I mean it might make more sense to let Tariq Skubal in for this year and then kind of transition out Marco maybe flexing out of the rotation because they're kind of advanced stats aren't the greatest you know yeah I I see that oh like my thing with George Kirby is his raw stuff is so it's so it's, it's so good so, he was so it's so good fun to watch yeah, and like just looking at it, he d- uh, in the rotation best strikeouts for walks. Like, yeah, it's just one stat, but like it's significant. He's at six point six zero. Next closest is Gilbert with three point seven three, then Robbie Ray, and then it's like a fall off a cliff. You got down to two with Flex and one point five seven with Marco. What's uh, the and we talked like, though from Kirby to Gilbert. Just uh, like, Kirby. comparison. Kirby's at sixty nine. Gilbert's at one hundred seventeen. So it's like a it's a noticeable difference. Uh, so obviously you need to wait for Kirby to get to that hundred inning threshold to be able to fully compare it, but sixty nine is like a, like it's a couple stars. It's a nice it, number. It's a <laughs> it's a nice number. He's thirteen starts. It's it's good, and you guys talked about Luis Castillo. I don't love Luis Castillo. He's been like it was like his twenty nineteen. I think it was was insane, uh, and then since then it's been kind of like uh people are hitting him a little bit better. He's kind of like less of the dominant starter uh and i think he would be also a high asking price compared to somebody like i think Tariq would be around similar maybe a little bit less but i feel like luis castillo could be overvalued in the trade market and i actually look at another red starter that they could potentially um try to go for and that's tyler maitley i think that's how you pronounce his last name because he is under the radar because the reds are going to sell if you look at his baseball savant page, it is very good, except for chase rate, fastball velocity, and walk percentage. Uh, but that chase rate, his his whiff rate is 68th percentile. So I think that chase rate could go up if he's just, like, slightly better with location and his usage of his slider. Because if he uses that slider on the outside to righties, I think that chase rate goes up. And if that were to happen, he'd go from, like, a... 
a very middle of the pack good starting pitcher to like a I think our number two. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Molly, Mally, Maley, whatever, Harry Firm, however you pronounce it, he's definitely gonna be. He's gotta be traded. He's gonna get a pretty good return. The thing, the thing is though with, with your regards to Scooble versus Castillo, I think Scooble's actually gonna rack in more prospects just because he has like four years of control, three years of control with the Castillo's one uh, after this, I believe. So you're seeing Castillo is more of a rental and a more proven arm. Um, but Tyler Molly, his stuff looks good. I think the only downside to him was that he was unvaccinated, which isn't a huge problem for the Mariners. Saying this out, we don't play in Toronto too much, but if we were to face him in the playoffs, it would kind of suck to be without him, although it would be for a couple games. Um, but yeah. I definitely not mind adding uh, Molly to the rotation. It would definitely make it better. Yeah, I think he would be a significant uh, increase. And it's also weird to think about, like, you talked about vaccination status, and the Yankees in the Blue Jays division training for Andrew Benintendi when he's unvaccinated, which I guess I guess it's a little bit different position player to pitcher. But they play in their division. I think I saw that they only had one series left in Toronto, but excluding the playoffs, that's just like a, a weird little thing that I, I, felt, I thought about that trade. Yeah, I heard reports that Benintendi was, like, agreeing to get vaccinated upon a trade to the Yankees, but I don't know how true that is. Yeah. I think the next thing we could go over is, obviously, starting pitchers number one. Do you, do you either of you have, like, another position or, like, posi- like need that the Mariners should pursue this trade deadline? What do you think about this one, Jackson? Um, so my next trade deadline topic is kind of like a bigger name for the Mariners. Like, I know a lot of people are considering Juan Soto and, like, our outfield depth, but uh, I think that it'd be great for us to bring in another middle infielder. Uh, I was thinking Bogarts. You know, he's it's only going to be like, it's bringing him in is kind of more of a rental. But going for a big-name guy, I think it's much better for us going for him rather than Soto because you know Soto you're going to have a huge asking price for him whereas Bogarts I think we could give up Hancock and get away with that I mean maybe some smaller name guys but it's going to be a lot less of a hassle to bring in Bogarts and he's been great this year he's hitting 317 with a, a 388 on base percentage and a 137 WRC plus and I'm loving him I've always thought of him as a great player he's always been one of my favorites to watch so I think him putting him at short and moving JP to second could be great for us yeah that that point you just brought up is the, kind of like the main reason one of the main reasons why I feel like it won't happen is because DePoto and Service both really like JP at short and we, we all know that Xander has shown that he doesn't want to move off of shortstop and so that kind of puts him in a little bit of a pickle but at the same time adding that impact bat, I feel like JP would willingly move over to second just because he wants to win. At least I'd I'd hope he'd want to do that. But Oh I I, JP wants to win. He did he does. The the tough part with Bogarts is I don't think Jerry's gonna trade for a rental like that because 
I think he goes into free agency after this year. He does, yeah. Yeah, it's this and year. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna sign Bogarts to a huge extension. I, and I also wonder if you you mentioned Hancock. I think that would be a great asking price. I wonder if they're gonna want like Novi Marte or um, Edwin Arroyo just to, to kind of um, clear like get some infield depth for Bogarts. Yeah, yeah that's. Per- oh, you can go, Brandon. I was gonna say personally, I don't. Xander Bogarts was not on the my radar for the Mariners. That's like a huge, huge splash. Like yes, middle infield, absolute. Uh, Adam Frazier, man, has he disappointed me personally. I was super high on Adam Frazier, uh, even though he struggled in San Diego. I was like, yeah, I love Adam Frazier. I love his like his little contact game. He reminded me like a lot of just um like Nico uh, Horner for the Cubs. I was like, I I was high on Nico yeah, too. Sad. All right, but his underperformance is definitely disappointing to me. Uh, and I was thinking of a little bit less significant names to Xander for our middle infield, and those two, excuse me, those two, uh, kind of a shocker. But Kevin Biggio or Joey Wendell, I think those two would be, uh, Kevin would be Biggio would be a lot harder to get because you have to think about one are the. Blue Jays kind of saying screw this season and letting him finally break out of uh, Toronto because he kind of like he's the odd man out it feels like for them or Joey Wendell who is way more available uh, but let less power in that bat uh, which the only reason I, I think him for Adam Frazier is because he's what Adam Frazier was supposed to be but he's doing it better this year is Wendell on Miami this year is that where yeah he's he's, he's on the Marlins okay yeah he's currently uh, batting three hundred with a one thirteen OPS plus only two home runs so like and uh, obviously wouldn't be huge power bat and he's only played forty nine games so kind of a uh, mm. I kind of hopefully he stays healthy he's he's thirty something years old um. But I feel like he'd be an upgrade over Adam Frazier, especially in it. And Kevin Biggio was my bigger one. Like, say the Mariners wanted to go not all in, because all in would be Sander Bogarts or like a rental, but like significant push this year into hopefully longer success. I think Biggio is that guy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I obviously I don't have Biggio's stats pulled up. I could, I could get them pulled up, but, um, he, he probably could use a change of scenery just because the Blue Jays have so many infield prospects coming up. And they got Santiago Espinal. Um, they got uh, Aurelvis Martinez and the minors, Jordan Groshans, those kind of guys. I could see them trying to move um, move on from Kevin Vigio. I, I don't know if they do it in the middle of the season. Maybe they do it in the offseason. Um, but in all honesty, I'm, I'm really not looking at um, infield prospects too much. Like, it's not too big of a priority for me because Adam Frazier is kind of heating up right now, and we all know the player he can be. So I think that's kind of what the Poto is kind of um, looking at and seeing. you know, it's not a big priority. I think he's probably going to go all in on pitching, which would be awesome. I, I want him to go all in on pitching. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a 
infield prospects that are infield player that I'm more so looking for. Um, one person I really don't want is Brandon Jury because he's a rental. He hasn't shown like sustained success in multiple years, and he currently plays in a very hitters-friendly ballpark, and if you move to Seattle, which has that marine layer, I feel like you would struggle a little bit, and we'd waste some prospects on that. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, I don't think he would be that great of a target. Um, my thing with this deadline is, it is so, like, this Mariners, Mariners in general are so hard if you want to go all in, or you want to trade. Like, I think, personally, I don't know if, the, I guess I don't know DePoto's plan. If he plans on bringing Frazier back, you hold him. But if he is thinking he's gonna, he's gonna walk, or he's gonna let him go, I think you trade Frazier at the deadline. Like you said, he's kind of heating up, so his value is kind of, uh, like, evening out. He's like, yeah, he had the bad start, but he's kind of heating up. Um, and then the other thing was, do we trade? Like, I, I don't know how it works with injuries. Like, I, I'm not that uh, knowledgeable of the MLB's trade rules. But if you could, would you trade someone like Mitch Hanniger? Like, yeah, he's been the Mariners guy for the past however many years, but there is some, there are, our outfield is kind of, it's it's in a weird state with Kyle Lewis coming back. Eventually, we want Kellenic to come back up and prove that he can be an MLB capable player and having trust in him. And then, obviously, Winker uh, and Julio, they're set in the outfield. The only thing would be Winker if you wanted to take him out against lefties. Which he's actually been pretty good at this year, contrary to the rest of his career. He's been pretty good against lefties, but he's also not been elite against righties. I think he's actually been below average, so that's something to kind of keep track of. I definitely see Winky underperforming against righties this year, and it's been pretty disappointing. Uh, I, As much as I love Mitch, I do think if we can move him, it might be good for us. You know, he's getting up there in age. He's, what, like 31 now or something like that? Something like uh, that. He's, he's got to be in his, like, early 30s soon. Yeah. He, he is, where is he, where is he? 31 years old for, uh, yeah. this season. So he's starting to get up there in age. And, I mean, he had a really great season last year. It, it was so fun watching him. But I, I think with just his being injury prone, and if we can get – something good for their outfield. Like, not not like a big-name guy. Um, I, I don't really have any ideas of who to target. My only outfield target was Ben Attendee, and then he got snatched up today. So, uh, I, I don't know who to target, but I think if we can move Mitch for a guy that we can be, have more... Sorry. If we can move Mitch for a guy that's more reliable, less injury-prone, then I think that'd be good. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I... I personally don't think we move on from Mitch this deadline because I feel like he would have a similar reaction in the clubhouse to trading Graveman. And although we didn't, like, our season didn't fall off a cliff at that point, I don't really think that management wants another, like, thing like that to happen to the clubhouse, kind of ruin morale. I think that a DH rotation and outfield rotation will be fine with Kyle Lewis kind of struggling to run right now. Um, 
Winker kind of struggling a little bit. Um, we can kind of give him some days off, just kind of get more days off. I think the most likely outfielder to get moved this deadline is probably Kelnick, which hurts me to say. I really like Kelnick, but I feel like they might try to use him in packages to get a top-tier starter. I feel like that's kind of where it's going to start for a lot of those teams. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, so I personally think that Mitch stays for the same reason, the, the clubhouse. Uh, I think he would be slightly expendable because of how good Carlos Santana, like, his clutch home runs, and just, like, he, he, he's awesome. Great, great DH that we've had for, like, the past couple of weeks. Um, that was a wonderful thing, pickup. Yeah, wonder. I, that was a great. Please, I thought it was going to be insignificant. For that. Please check the Twitter for that. I was <laughs> great, on great call, Nick. I was on yeah. top of that. Uh, and I think you trading Kalanick for a starter, uh, yeah, I think that's. I think um, if you don't believe in Kalanick, uh, or if like Depoto thinks Kalanick, he might come up, but he's not going to be what we traded for when we traded Cano and um, Diaz for him. Uh, if you don't trade him for a shorter though, and you're able to get like a Tariq for a package that doesn't include him, what do you guys think about that? That my Cubs bias is coming out. Trading <laughs> somebody like Kelnick for Ian Happ. That's a see. That's a good, good question. Ian Happ was not on my Mariners radar for a while, and I I don't know if he's on the Mariners radar, but I wonder how he would feel about playing, like, second base. Because I know he's played it in his career. I don't know how much he's played it recently. but yeah, he's, been a, he's been an outfielder most of this year, if yeah. not all of it. I, I, I wouldn't mind trading for Ian Happ and playing him at second. I just feel like I would, if I'm going to trade Kelnick, I have a lot of faith in Kelnick because he destroys AAA pitching. And I feel like if he k- takes his whole year down there, kind of evens out his strikeout and walks um, to where they should be. I feel like he could come up next year and be a good contributor. Um, the only person I right now I would really want to include Kelnick in a deal for is probably Tariq Skubal, just because of the amount of control you get with Skubal, and it fits a position of need. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say if we're moving Kelnick in a package deal, it's got to be for Scoobal. And I, I don't know. I think, I think I'd enjoy having Ian Happ on the Mariners, but I wouldn't give up Kelnick for him because I think Kelnick can be great. I think his struggles have all been mental, and if he can get past that roadblock, he's got such good potential. He's got really good fundamentals. He just needs to get himself right in the head, which I mean, it's easier said than done. So. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, uh, I would love Kelnick. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a Kelnick truther. I think that um, he just him getting sent down and then like tearing up AAA for a month, great for him. I hope that gives him that confidence and he comes back to, he, I like last year he was great the last couple of weeks of the season. He was super clutch, super fun to watch, 100%. energy guy. Love that. Hopefully he can get that for a whole season or just the end of this season and gets the Mariners into the playoffs and, like, really clutch for them. Uh, Ian Happ, he's just, like, he's been so good this year. Uh, fun watching him play. Uh, home, like, power is a little bit... It, it's, like, 
not it's not increasing in like the way I would hope as a Cubs fan, but he has been so consistent. He plays great outfield. Uh, I mean, I just looked hasn't played any of the infield this season. That's what I thought. He's only played in the outfield. But even last season, he was playing third base and second base a little bit. So he definitely still has that ability. And I think that would, that in that like being able to play so many positions would be great for the Mariners. Say Winker needs a day off, boom, throw him in the outfield. Um, even like and with and with players like Dylan Moore, super utility guy. Having those guys on the roster for the Mariners is huge for giving guys rest and not killing production so heavily. Totally. Yeah. I more Haggerty Toro even though he hasn't been hitting the ball well. He can play a variety of positions. Utility is definitely important. I think we need to find a way to make Taylor Motter usable again and get him back. (laughs) Dude, I love Taylor Motter. I, oh my goodness, that feels like such a long time ago now. It honestly is. What about a a Dustin Ackley character? I think think he would be huge for this movie. Huge bust. You know, my fanboy is going to come out. Because we own a Dustin Ackley jerseys. First jersey. Loud and proud. So, I I think that kind of like colors the Mariners' uh, trade deadline. Um, Do we want to talk about like the rest of the season past the trade deadline, how like an outlet looks, um, like if we're feeling confident with the team, the standings and all of that. I, I think this is the best Mariners ball club we've seen in a very long time. Obviously the Cano Cruz kind of era was a very good team as well, but this, this team just feels kind of different. And once we get past the Astros, I think we play the Astros one more series, and I think it's our next series, and then we're done against the Astros for the year. And then we play a couple series against the Yankees. Once we're done with that, we have a very easy schedule the rest of the way, just based on opponents' win percentage. I think that once, if if we can kind of split Astros and Yankees, kind of um, split the series against them, I think that the Mariners have a very good chance of playing some meaningful baseball past the regular season. Yeah, we, looking at this, we have uh, four games left against Houston and six games against the Yankees, and after that, our schedule is pretty easy. You know, we got we got the Braves in early Braves September. Series. Yeah, we got, we got the Braves um, September 9th through 11th, and then that's so three game series for that. And then September 13th and 14th against the Padres, who I think we got it against the Padres. I mean, if Tatis doesn't come back by then, I which I honestly have no idea. I think he'll be back I, by then. He has to be. I've been hearing stuff saying he was, like, going to be back soon, that he'd been working, but I haven't, like, seen anything that, like, I can trust. So I, I'm i not, like, super positive he'll be back. But I because I, I thought he was only going to be out, like, three months. And it's been longer than that. Yeah, he definitely has a... Yeah, the setbacks are definitely killing him. Uh, Which is so... Like, talking about the Padres, like, they're... Them staying afloat, pretty impressive, all things considered. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we we swept the Padres in that two game series we had in uh, earlier this month. Uh, so I th- I think yeah we get past the Astros and Yankees and we're looking good to get that wild card spot. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe we even maybe we even edge uh, up the Astros. Very unlikely. I'd have to take yeah. a look at the Astros <laughs> calendar. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're, yeah, we're back. yeah, we're we're pretty far back right now. I don't think I we're gonna make up that ground. Uh, and that's like because I'm looking at the standings right now, and it's like we are not better at home. We are 27 and 23 at home, 27 and 22 away. That's just wow, not better at home, dude. It's one game. <laughs> no, I, I no, I'm saying it's like like we you look at the the Yankees, 37 and 12 versus 29 and 21. That is significant. Uh, way better home team. Mariners don't have like, and I think that's because it's the middle of the season. Get us last two weeks of the season. Mariners have a huge home field advantage. The energy in T-Mobile. Oh yeah. If if the Mariners are sniffing the playoffs, look at last year. Those games were maybe the most fun I've had watching baseball games and most stressful baseball games I've ever watched since twenty sixteen. And Those games had me checking bus tickets from Poland to Seattle because I was so ready to go watch postseason baseball in Seattle. Yeah, like, I, I, I was more passionate. Like, I, I, like that was. I mean, I was more passionate. Twenty sixteen World Series. Like uh, that, I have never. I'm Cubs fan. I ran that. Yeah, yeah. I've never been more passionate about baseball than that. But last year, and it wasn't. It wasn't even the playoffs. It was the end of the regular season. But I'm like watching intently. Like this is the World Series. Like if the cut or the if the Mariners make the playoffs, that is huge. Um, but like looking at this this American League standings, um, we are in a prime position for a wild card. Um, the AL Central, I think it's gonna be one team. I think the White Sox have the ability. Uh, when they fire. Uh, that stupid manager they have. Um, uh, uh, Twins, Cleveland, uh, Guardians, White Sox. Um, w- I don't see one of those teams, if they don't win the division, making the wild card. Maybe the White Sox have a hot streak and somehow the Twins still edge them out. Uh, maybe. I don't see that. I just think that division winner. Uh, the toughest is beating either the Blue Jays or Rays. And the Red Sox are underperforming, and they are I think still. The Red Sox they so. I th- I hope so. Um, I think that it would be ignorant not to at least chop out like Bogarts and everybody else because of like they. Luke World Series ring. Gonna get him a good call if yeah. they decide to trade him, just because I think he's a prime candidate to trade. He's up there in age. He's not gonna be there for their window. Why not get some get get some talent for him? Yeah, that just means we have to beat out Blue Jays, Rays. I think that, like, I mean, looking at their splits, they're better at home. Both of them have losing records away. Like, yeah, the Blue Jays is 23 and 24. But (laughs) I think with talking about that, the Mariners having a a positive away and not having a significant increase in home when I know they can have that advantage. I feel very confident that the Mariners can be a 90 win wild card team and i it and especially if they have a like it, i don't see them struggling in the playoffs with how packed t-mobile is going to be for a a 21 year playoff drought for the mariners and the passion behind that the energy in that ball club i i see it i don't i don't want to say like 
World Series aspirations this year, I feel like that is kind of going above and beyond with how good the Yankees are playing, with how good the team the Yankees are, with the Astros still having like 14 game win streak and also breaking and getting swept by the Astros. The Astros are still the big brothers of the division. But I think the Mariners can give any American League team and then an any National League team a run for their money in any series. Yeah. And, you know, talking about how we definitely can get that home field advantage, our last nine games, last three series, are it's, it's all at home. So you're talking nine straight games of end-of-the-season baseball with how electric T-Mobile can be. Like, that's basically oh. nine free games, nine free wins. <laughs> Not free. I mean, it's, it's Texas, Oakland, and Detroit. It's it's oh, free. Come oh, on. Dog, dog water teams. Those, yes. Yeah, the Mariners need to definitely take advantage of bad teams. I feel like last year, I, I don't have the stats to back it up, but just I felt like the Mariners kind of struggled against mediocre teams, like sweeping them, but then they were really mm-hmm. good against the Athletics who were primed for a playoff position, and then they just could not beat the Mariners. Um, I I don't know. I feel like, like you guys were saying, the atmosphere in T-Mobile is going to be absolutely electric if the Mariners can make the playoffs. And I think it, once, it, once that happens, I feel like it'll kind of cement Seattle being a baseball town. <laughs> Once Russell Wilson left, I feel like it kind of got a little uh, bit easier to be, be for the Mariners to become a baseball town. Just with I think Seattle players. already is a baseball town again, man. Yeah. I mean, with how how exciting Julio is, like, and with with Russ being gone, how exciting Julio is. It's it's baseball country up there now. Speaking of Julio, the what the man has done since coming out of the All Star break, he had oh, oh, four days out with that injury injury to his wrist, kind of kind of scary for Mariners fans kind mm-hmm. of like, don't want to mm-hmm. lose him get swept by the Astros without him mm-hmm. he comes back first at bat back home run then second game back clutch three run home run to put the Mariners ahead and put them in a position to sweep the Rangers once again he he has been everything we thought he was going to be and then even more it's just crazy is it is it too early to call him the right-handed Barry Bonds? I just I, I think that the significant thing about Julio is those stolen bases. The stolen bases they're a lost art of the game. Like I mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say it's something that is an like I I completely understand why people aren't going for stolen bases. They're very inefficient in nature. Um, but he is. 21 stolen bases, only five caught stealing. That's a pretty, that's a good percentage. Um, the only thing with Julio, I, I mean, he's obviously he's young, he can improve. His walk to strikeout ratio, like, I kind of want to see more. I want to see <laughs> slightly more consistent um, contact. I mean, if he's going to have a, an 820 OPS um, with good home run numbers and obviously he's 21 so he's going to improve if he's improving i mean you can't really hate him because he's i mean i don't think this is crazy to say best mariner like best rookie mariner since ichiro um he's he's just he's playing out of his mind he's what like kalanick we wanted kalanick to be last year obviously 
uh, putting too much expectations on. And I mean, that's kind of like we're looking at our Mariners prospects and we're like, oh, Novi Marte when he comes up. Um, when uh, the catcher Ford, Harry, Harry Ford. Ford, when Harry Ford comes up, he's going to do the same thing. It's like, I think we look at prospects and we put expectations on them way too much. I, mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, we look at uh, every prospect, literally every prospect this um, this season. Adley comes up. Adley doesn't hit 400 off the bat. People are like, oh, that's not good. Uh, Bobby Witt. Uh, and I saw a tweet talking about this. It's like somebody was struggling in their first two weeks. And they were, they the sarcasm tweet about like, oh, thank God Adley, um, Julio, and Witt all performed amazing their first month. Because they all struggled. They got, like that month. Uh, like, I mean, some struggled less than others, but they're all three of those. This rookie class is amazing, and it's so fun to watch. Uh, but, and then the opposite of that is kind of like last year. Uh, you have expectations, and if they don't immediately perform, we're thinking, oh no, did we make a mistake by trading for him or bringing him up too early? Like, I'm so glad Julio is breaking that mold and he's performing so well. But expectations can kill, and it's just crazy to see him break expectations, like performing above what we were expecting. Yeah, no, he really had me worried at the start of the season with all those strikeouts. You know, the umpires kind of screwing him with that because, you know, all, all those called third strikes on pitches two feet out of the zone, like, <laughs> that was really frustrating. So he was having a hard time hitting because of that because you have to swing at balls you can't hit. But, I mean, after that got under control, he was really, you know, heating up. And it's been exciting to watch. Um, I think, uh, I think you know, Kelnick, he's, he, uh, once he gets hot, you know, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah, I I was really I hoping. Don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I was really hoping with Kelnick that um, we would get the September Kelnick from last year. We already mentioned mm-hmm. earlier how good he was in that last month. And, we're all kind of hoping for that. It, it's just crazy how Kellen's a great player. Obviously, he he destroys AAA pitching. He's just struggled on that kind of transition to the big leagues. I think it just puts it into perspective how good Julio is, being twenty one years old, and doing everything he's done in this first year. It's it's amazing. It really is. We gotta do what we can to hold on to him. He he needs a lifetime contract, like ASAP. he does. Speaking of lifetime contracts, uh, I know we kind yeah. of we we talked about him <laughs> earlier, but Juan Soto, uh-huh. um, turning uh-huh. down that fifteen <laughs> years, four hundred thirty, amazing decision. I wouldn't have signed that if I was him. He's generational talent. Um, but the what surprised me was the amount of people saying. You're insane for not signing that. Like, I can understand that you're turning down $430 million, but he's turning because it's he's turning down the team because the Nationals, I mean, he's alluded to it. They don't support him as much as they definitely should be. It's like a... I, I know we're talking about Juan Soto, but you can calm down. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it's like a very... It, it's not a, obviously was not a good player-team relationship with them supporting, like, putting a supporting cast around. Um, and then, I mean, you're getting up to these these hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's not a significant difference between the numbers. 
Um, personally, I don't I don't see the significance. Uh, you're getting a ton of money, so you're gonna want to go play for a team you want. But also, he that is way below his value. Fifteen years, four hundred thirty million. I think he his value is more like ten years for four hundred thirty million. Those five years really bring that AAV down. And uh, I was just shocked by the amount of people who thought that he was insane for turning that down and that he was not going to get offered more. And I think, like, with how talented he is, yes, he's having a down year, but he's definitely going to be offered an AAV higher than that by a team like the Yankees. Yeah, I I think that he needs to get somewhere in the range of $35 million. AV, I feel like that's even that might even be the low end, but if you put that at fifteen years for thirty five, that's what um, about five hundred something. <laughs> like five twenty five, I think. So that's probably where I'd put him at for a fifteen year deal. I don't think it would be. I don't, I don't know. A fifteen year deal could be in his best interest because he might be on a down. He might be on like a downslide, downslide if he signs like a ten year deal at the end of that. I don't know if he gets a lot of money. Well, we we yeah. don't know until it happens. But I I feel like it's for him. He definitely just does not want to be on the Nationals. I think he just wants to win. I could see him signing or. Obviously, he can't sign with anyone for a couple more years, but if he went to the Dodgers or Yankees, I feel like he'd sign there for life. I don't know. He just wants to be a part of the winning culture. I definitely could see him going to the Dodgers. And, like, yeah, I don't, I'm not a Juan Soto fan, but I definitely, turning that deal down was smart. I, I don't think anyone should really sign a 15 year deal. It's, I, I could never see that being a smart move. I I mean the only reason it'd be a smart move is like you're 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 thirty and for some reason they give you a fifteen year deal and you're like yeah. in seven years my body's kicking the can, uh but the reason I brought that up was obviously like I don't think Juan Soto is a re, re realistic trade target for the Mariners I think he costs too much, doesn't way too much. he costs way too much yes he fits the timeline of the Mariners, but. I, that just fills our outfield because he plays right. We got Julio in center. We got Winker in left. Then you have to trade Mitch um, or Kyle Lewis. You It's so many tough decisions with team morale surrounding Juan Soto. Um, I love Juan Soto as a player. I know Jackson doesn't. Um, so obviously he'll have some bias regarding that. Um, but obviously I just wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because it's like something to do like He's in the Mariners' talk circle, so I just wanted to like, really like bring bring that up real quick. Yeah, speaking of fifteen year, signing a fifteen year deal being a bad idea, Julio, that's a great idea. You should do it. Yeah, I I, I think you should go more than fifteen for Julio. <laughs> I'm thinking time. <laughs> Twenty year deal, homie's still gonna be performing at forty one. Like, I mean, he could be like that. That, uh, that is insane to think about. He is twenty one years old, and he is my pick. I mean, for rookie of the year. Uh, I think he could literally he could heat up this second half and push into MVP. Is that realistic? Probably not. But I guess I kind of want to talk about the rookie of the, the year race. Um, obviously, I think Julio is the best rookie in the AL at the moment. Um, 
Do you guys think anybody could uh, try to challenge him? I think the only guy that'll come close is Adley. I I think that the two names that I think of are Bobby Witt and Jeremy Pena. Pena because he started off so hot and he's slowed down a little bit, but he's still really good. And Bobby Witt has kind of done what Julio did, where he struggled for the first month, but has absolutely turned it on since. Um, yeah. Adley has also been very good. I still think Julio clears all of them pretty easily. And, I mean, I, I don't want to declare him Rookie of the Year right now, but I, I almost want to. <laughs> well, let's not jinx it. I, yeah. Uh, I looking at the... The odds for sports betting. Um, I mean, Julio is the clear favorite and deserved. Um, looking at it though, we're like, um, the last time that somebody was above Julio was July at the beginning of July. Um, looks like Bobby Witt was slightly above him um, for like a short period of time before Julio shot back. Actually, no, I'm looking at this wrong. Never mind, that's... I was looking at it the opposite way. The last time was June. Wow, it's been a significantly long time. And that was Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena was the last person, like, tied with him in odds. And that was June 5th of 2022. Ever since then, he has been the significant favorite. Uh, and it does not look like it's changing anytime soon. Yeah, I... I don't see it changing anytime soon. I mean, Bobby Witt Jr., Adley Rushman, they both have the talent to get hot and maybe surpass him. But right now, I mean, Julio also has that talent. I, I, don't, see, I don't see that changing for a long time. Yeah, I, I think with the good vibes of the team, Julio stays hot and doesn't. no one's going to come close to beating him out for the race. Yeah. The, the race is way closer than the NL. Um, looking at those odds, we got five people who could win it. We got Spencer Strider, Michael Harris, O'Neill Cruz, my boy, Seiya Suzuki, and Nolan Gorman. I don't think Seiya wins. Uh, I hope Michael he does. Harris I want him to win. Yeah, m- yeah, Sam. Michael Harris is my favorite. My pick, easily Seiya, because he's the best. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, because I mean, he, he missed the time with the injury and that really hurt him, but he, he's been this past week, he's been hitting well. Uh, so I, I'm holding out hope. I just, it sucks being like a Cubs fan because we suck. Like it's, it's so tough. I was so hyped for Seiya because I I want, originally I wanted Seiya on my team and now I look back at it and I wish he went to the Mariners. I I think that would be crazy fun to watch him on the Mariners. Um, Shohei all over again. Yeah. yeah I, uh, Shohei should have signed with the Mariners. I don't know why he didn't. Uh, wasn't the Shohei thing... I don't remember if this was him or if this was someone else. Didn't he not sign because he wanted to leave a legacy on the team? Like I, There was he, some he, reports that like he didn't want to go to like, a team with... Uh, Japanese history, I I remember which was the Yankees and the Mariners. Yeah, um, but I remember because he signed with the Angels when we were freshmen in high school, and mm-hmm. I remember being just so sad that Shohei signed with the Angels. I was like, why did you sign with the Angels? Why yeah, the Mariners. I was less sad that he didn't sign with the Mariners and more sad that he signed his 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 talent away because <laughs> everybody knows that 
You you fire Joe Madden, you start sucking. Happened with the race. Uh, it's not true at all. Happened with the <laughs> Cubs. Angels sucked with and without him. I uh, Joe Madden truther, but dang. Phil has been atrocious <laughs> since Joe Madden got fired. All all Phil Nevin has done is start a brawl with the Mariners and boost the Mariners and hurt the Angels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'll, 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 uh, I'm a, I'm a Phil Nevin fan for that. <laughs> yeah, he got Julio Rodriguez suspended. So for, for what? The Julio <laughs> Rodriguez suspension was so unbelievably dumb, and that the whole ejections in that game were just stupid. They're like, okay, we're gonna eject your three best hitters, and you're gonna like it. We'll, we'll eject a. You'll pitcher. take it. We'll eject a couple pitchers that aren't gonna pitch today for the Angels, but. Uh, your best hitters, yeah. Those guys are gone. The, yeah, you know, that's the just, Angels. I, tough for uh, Especially uh, with Mike Trout being injured now. Dude, Trout is crazy, man. Like he is so talented, so good, and every year it's just he gets hurt, and it's always. Oh, he's gonna be out for another month. Oh, we have a setback. Oh, he's hurt more. Oh, hurt, 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 hurt. Like, wow, I'm looking at his uh, reference page. Twenty twenty, obviously shortened season, fifty three games. Last year, thirty six. This year, seventy nine. I mean, I could see him being shut down at seventy nine games, and we're just we're watching genuinely Barry Bonds. Um, he, his career OPS right now is sitting at exactly a thousand. That is so generationally insane, and nobody cares because he's on the Angels. And I think that's a like. Obviously, you you, you go to MLB marketing. Um, no, nobody on the street knows Mike Trout. Everybody on the, on the street knows LeBron, uh, or Steph Curry, or Tom Brady, um, and. Honestly, talking about marketing, you're like, oh, do you blame Mike Trout or do you blame the MLB? And I blame the MLB because you looked at the um, Let the Kids Play campaign, and that mm-hmm. flopped. It completely flopped because they didn't let the kids play. They said, let's let the kids play. Oh, you bad flipped, broke the rules of baseball. Uh, MLB's always been bad about promotion, I feel like. I, I don't think they've ever had good advertising skills and... I. I think if they want to be good at advertising, they need to hire whoever was in charge of the Mariners commercials back in the day because those were great. That's the best advertising of all time. I think they need to come back at, at, for next year. Yeah, that wasn't me, but I think they should hire me for their advertising because I could tweet some banger tweets if I wanted to on a brand account. Like, you just got to be hashtag relatable. You got to be um, like the Radio Shack guy. The, that's a, uh, let's not talk about Radio Shack, okay? <laughs> I also believe the MLB is just atrocious with marketing. It's it's a problem. Like the fact that nobody really understood how good Julio was until the All Star break, and then they just saw like, oh my goodness, this guy just hit eighty one home runs in the home run derby. He is absolutely that was a insane. robbery. Uh, robbery of a Don Juan Soto. It's and now he's kind of gotten that national respect that he's deserved this whole time. That home run derby was Vlad and Pete Alonso all over again. It was just Jackson's worst nightmare. 
It was. It was, man. I, I don't like Pete Alonso just because of that derby in, what, 2019, was it? Oh, and, it was 2019, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a Pete Alonso hater because of that derby because I was, I was so high on Vlad, man. I was in love with that, man. You know, I'm a big guy. Vlad was pretty big back then. You know, I was, it was exciting to watch him for me. And uh, he got he got screwed in that derby. He hit so many more home runs, and Pete was just kind of you know playing chase, which was stupid. And then you know Juan Soto just come in and hit what was it, nineteen after Julio's been tired because he's having to hit freaking thirty bombs around. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that kind of just like the home run derby. The format is a little. It's a little weird. It's a uh, like you you hit thirty bombs, you're gas, but you got still got uh, whatever how many rounds are left, um, and I don't know how to to bring like attention to like the ulcer break or MLB. Like obviously, mar- a marketing campaign is the significant easiest way and needs to be done. Like a let let the kids play, but make it work would uh mm-hmm. would help. Um, it's just like. It's so so difficult to get people to watch baseball because there's the stigma that it's um boring. I mean, you you ask p- people who, who what the boring sport is, um, it's gonna be oh baseball it's a snooze fest, or and for baseball fans it's gonna be like soccer boring, um, and that's yeah. just kind of a it, I think it just depends on taste. Like you can't force somebody to like a sport, but you can definitely have an ad campaign where you're showing bat flips you're showing um beef like uh, you're showing mad bun versus max muncie that's fun mm-hmm. that, that is fun baseball it is like where like when advertising when they were like wear the shirts of go get it out of the ocean that is that is fun that is bringing that's making baseball fun and that's how you get people to enjoy watching it um and like the all-star break um I think all sports have a problem with the All-Stars. Basketball has become, they don't play defense. Um, baseball mm. is, it's just baseball. Less people are going to be watching it. Uh, football, nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. Less than any other All-Star game. Because it's like it feels like half the players just cancel on that. Um, but the Mariners don't need no marketing. They're the best team in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> We got the mm-hmm. best announcers. Aaron oh, Dave Sims, Mike Blowers, man. Aaron Goldsmith is the best announcer in the MLB, and I will not be arguing that. Aaron that is Goldsmith that is an objective truth. I don't. Oh, I, I'm I'm a, I'm more of a Dave Sims fan myself. I like Dave Sims a lot. I his calls are, can be electric. I just feel like Aaron Goldsmith has just left a imprint on me and just kind of he's he calls the game with such passion so does dave sims but i don't know they're both awesome and i i love our our i don't know voice team <laughs> for them <laughs> the cast the, broadcast the, team. The, the, the voices of the mariners definitely yeah. make the the game way more enjoyable and that like bringing it back to last year i don't think i've ever seen more genuine passion for the sport of baseball than when we when uh, who is who hit the walk-off 
They're talking about Mitch's single or whatever. Mitch's single. And you could they did the broadcaster cam and they posted that on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He looked so happy. And that's what you got like having that kind of environment at T Mobile on the broadcast in in the dugout, that that just I mean it just makes you love the Mariners even more. Um it, you don't like maybe it's a placebo or it's just like a, a, a effect of whatever kind but it is it makes the team look better it does i i having exciting announcers is just so good for a team you know you think about the dodgers vin scully you know dave Niehaus in the past like it just makes it so much more fun to watch a game and get behind a team with good announcers i think marius have been extremely blessed to have elite announcers like i don't really know what it feels like to have boring announcers i i, I don't know which teams have the worst announcers i feel like i've heard negative things about like the mets announcers have you ever tried watching mm-hmm. the reds when nicholas castellanos <laughs> is up to bat uh, that man's is, a deep uh, drive to left field <laughs> that's not, that's uh, what that's we call legendary. that's legendary that's bad announcing <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's not talk about the problems with that and that thing. Yeah, okay. Speaking of controversial things and, you know, Dave Sims, what about him trying to get Cole Young cancelled on the broadcast what, two days ago? <laughs> I, Dave Sims, I love him. He definitely says things that he, he, he doesn't mean to say it the way he does. And I, I know exactly what he was trying to do off the bat. I know he was trying to get mm-hmm. to talk about the, the playoff chase, but the way he brought it up just after talking to Kyle about Kyle Lewis and about how he feels about the races in the MLB, it, it was definitely, it was a, it was a fun laugh on Mariners Twitter just seeing it. It was. Like, did, did Dave Sims really just do that? Or did Cole Young really just ask for clarification? Uh, uh, was... the, the timing, the timing was <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, I don't know. I, you know, speaking of Cole Young, actually, um, it's been a topic on Mariners Twitter that the Mariners could feasibly trade a bunch of um, prospects um, away at this deadline, and they would still be a top farm system because of how good their draft. Like Cole Young, pretty solid prep prospect, but like looking at last year, Harry Ford looks pretty good in Modesto. Um, I think, uh, well, I know Edwin Arroyo uh, was a third-round draft pick last year. He's been insane. He's skyrocketed up prospect rankings. Um, I think Bryce Miller was drafted last year. I want to say he was drafted last year. He's been looking really good. Um, Just the recent drafting by the Mariners has been amazing. And I wonder if that makes it makes them more inclined to trade some of them for proven talent just because they feel like they can get it all back it's a it's definitely weird with like you the mariners do have a very good farm system and um it's just it's crazy to think that they could trade a top prospect and still be one of the best in baseball because you look at a lot of um, farm systems and they're top heavy. Uh, Mariners, I mean, are a little top heavy, but they definitely have depth 
um, unlike a lot of other teams and their farm system, which gets me excited about the future. Uh, but I feel like that's going to make it hard on Depoto. Do you go all in or do you sit, sit be like, oh, can't risk that future? Uh, and I think it, it, it is harder as for the Mariners because of the playoff drought. You don't mm-hmm. want to continue that drought. Um, I think, I mean, personally, I would, I would give like however many more years of a playoff drought for the first time they make the playoffs to win the world series. So like if say the Mariners, um, make the wild card and then they just get swept out. Um, I'd be like, Oh, that's kind of lame. Uh, say they don't make it this year, but next year they win the world series. That'd be like, that'd be so hype. And I mean, it just makes the Poto's job pretty tough with deciding when to go in. I mean, but I mean, that is his job. So I, you know, with them not have, with them never being in the postseason in my lifespan, I kind of want them to just sell out and go for it. But at the same time, you know, you get a 116-win season and don't make the World Series, why would I expect them to make the World Series now? Yeah, the the thing, I, I mean, I'm in the same boat. I want to see the Mariners in the postseason. I've never seen it in my lifetime. I, I just feel like I know Jerry DePoto at this point. Like, I understand him. And I, I understand he's probably not gonna go all in on this year. He's just such a control, like team control oriented guy. Um, but at the same time, I I feel like the team he's built has been really fun to watch, and I I kind of am excited to see what he does in the trade market. We all know he's a big trader, so I think. Yeah. Oh, he's not French. Jerry, Jerry the Fleece God DePoto. Jerry is the Fleece God. Especially Abraham uh, Toro. That was a fleece. Yeah. I, okay, yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, I loved I loved Jerry, but I just, I don't know when it becomes a point where it's like, yeah, he's making these trades, but... When do they stop, like, Winker, um, Kellenic, um, how many more trades that flop? Like, say Winker flops hard, Kellenic doesn't, Kellenic is a quadruple A, or even just triple A player. Well, at what point do we say, I get the vision, but wow, do all of your trades flop? Yeah, I think... Your big trades, at least. I think, uh, it's when you kind of cling on to the trades that are really good like mm-hmm. like at first the Kalanick trade was really good because Diaz struggled Cano struggled and yeah I mean kinda oh got... Cano's fall mm-hmm. that's that's so painful <laughs> yeah I PEDs man if, if he never did got caught for PEDs I'd still really like him I, I don't hate him yeah, I, it's just his legacy is killed. He's I don't see, he can't make the Hall of Fame now, and he was on pace too. Like yeah, he left the Mariners, he went to the Mets, and I'm like yeah, he's struggling. That's funny, um, because he's no longer on the Mariners. But it's like you still care for him as a player. He he meant so much to Seattle. Um, those 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 years, him and Cruz, uh, being the power, those were fun times. Mm-hmm. Um. So it sucks to see him get caught with PADs, 
and then say, oh, I didn't know it was PEDs, and then get caught again. So it's harder to believe that he didn't know. And it's just, it's so sad that PEDs, or I, I mean, I personally, they're banned, so it's hard to th say. I think baseball would be more fun with PEDs. Um, <laughs> I, was just I think every player. I love guys hitting 80 home runs in the season. <laughs> I think every player should take PEDs. I think they should be allowed to, or at least a, some sort of PED. Not like, I don't know. Uh, I, I I think it's just, you. it's baseball. You still got to have the hand-eye coordination. Barry Bonds mm. was amazing before allegedly taking steroids. We still allegedly. don't know. He never, he never confessed. We know we you'll never know. Uh, he was so good in Pittsburgh, and then he was amazing in San Francisco. He was the goat before. He was the goat after. Hot take, hot take. Um, not really, but uh, it's just like PEDs. It's it's hard to tell the the significance that they they make on a player's ability. Obviously, it affects it. But there are players, Ramon Laureano, he still sucks. Um, and he's took PEDs. I think so. he's gonna be a trade deadline acquisition for a contender. I can see him going to the Brewers. I think that they've been linked to him. Yeah, it's that's just if the 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 A's finally do something <laughs> in trade, yeah. and not just keep on to Frankie Montas, Floriano. They gotta go on a fire sale here in the next. Oh, week. Blackburn. Yeah, I, it's just <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> Billy Bean. <laughs> <laughs> Moneyball time. Gotta look. Gotta love me some Moneyball. Uh, the Moneyball memes—they're so good. Uh, yeah, they're like, but his defect. <laughs> this is Mitch Haniger. He's amazing. Great power hitter. His defect: one ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those memes on Twitter are—they they give me a good chuckle. Every yeah, time. I know. Foolish Bailey. I know he tweeted one of I think about Andrew Benintendi after the trade. And I mean, I love Foolish Bailey. Like, <laughs> great content creator. He's great, great for the community. Um, he just drops some some funny bangers. Bailey's probably the best content creator in the baseball community, man. Like, he's he's so smart when it comes to all this stuff, and the videos he makes are so entertaining. He definitely got me into advanced stats. I, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't look at that stuff before, but the way he structures his videos, it makes it so understandable. Yeah, he makes it so easy to learn. Yeah, before I watched his videos, I had novice interest. I, w I was into... I, w I would scroll through baseball reference. I would be like, little cool numbers. Uh, but I didn't really get into baseball savant and like deeper metrics until I saw Baseball Bits. And I think Baseball Bits is the best um, like series for baseball content. Um, it's... It's so good, Bailey. He he's very charismatic. Uh, I love, love his content. Um, he'll always. I always love him. Um, there's also another content, a super small content creator that I uh, I, I I found, um, that goes by and that's baseball. Um, t a couple of weeks ago, he released a video, uh, the rise and fall of Robinson Cano. Amazing video. Uh, only has like a thousand views, and it's just like. His content, I could see him blowing up. It's just he has a he had a video last year um, about Tyler Matzik, and that kind of like sort of blew up. It has like thirty thousand views. Uh, but 
I love his content. Like it's he he gives me shades of of foolish baseball. It's definitely I love baseball content. Like those mm-hmm. kinds of videos. They're they're so fun. Another one I recommend is Baseball Doesn't Exist. Oh great yeah. page. He's great too. I I need to I would do it on like, time. I I mean, we're at about um an hour mm-hmm. an hour eight. An hour ten. Okay. We probably wrap it up here soon. Um, yeah. Um, I think we can go into one final topic. Um, I don't know if anyone has a preference on that, but um, we could probably talk about something like the past winning streak we went on, or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think I think that 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 fourteen games was it um, win streak. We can talk about yeah. that. Um, I obviously, um, it, it was kind of just like a oh that's another win that's another win that's another win. I haven't really looked into like the um, uh, stats behind it, like what made that win streak possible. I just know that it was, the timing of it, was amazing because it was going into the, the break. But I'm pretty sure that's what killed it as well was <laughs> the break. Yeah, whose whose idea was it to schedule an All Star break in the middle of a 14 game winning streak? Yeah, for real. We should we should have uh, postponed the All Star break. I mean that's, 100. Yeah. I guess I going. Speaking of the All Star break going like that, when should you going into that? Um, on Twitter, I saw I think it was um like teams that had win streaks ten games or higher going into the All Star break. Every single one of them went on to at least be in the World Series, if not win it. Yeah, I I remember that tweet because I saw a reply to it that was like uh teams I, I don't remember exactly what the stat was, but it was the Mariners fit the bill and it was like none of them went on to even make the playoffs. So it's like obviously you can either cherry pick some stats. It's like um teams that have Julio Rodriguez at 21 years old uh went on to go on a 14 game win streak. <laughs> like obviously that's obviously way too niche, but you can you can really bring up those kind of stats anything. Uh my thing with the 14 game win streak is I'm looking back at it. The strength of that schedule was very weak. Um, minor mean, details. I mean, there was it was about half and half. It was half against teams that were pretty bad, like eight games against teams that were pretty bad, but then six games against above average teams, with being the Blue Jays and the Padres. I think the mm-hmm. Padres series is really what made me like what made the winning streak kind of set in. Like the Mariners are a good team because we've kind of struggled in San Diego recently, and we. It wasn't even one run games like we handled the Padres, so I that was that was my favorite part of the win streak. I think is or I guess the four game sweep of the Blue Jays was better, but uh, beating those teams kind of made me feel like the Mariners could hang with the rest of the league. Yeah, uh, and I think the the significant um, thing behind that was pitching. Uh, so looking at runs allowed one one two two three two one five four one five three two two that is consistent the five the four the five those are the outliers everything else was below three and um the game it was a six to five win six to four win six to five win um so the offense really stepped up when we struggled with pitching but seeing those one twos and threes 
And that, I guess, looking at that too, that's insane. Not a single shutout for 14 games uh, on a 14-game win streak is pretty crazy. But, like, pitching. I got to give it to pitching. And uh, I know you, you said we could talk about the bullpen because the bullpen really held it together. But starting pitching definitely was more efficient in the 14 games than they, they have been showing uh, this season. And yeah. which keeps me hopeful. I think I think the offense can, can, can hit with anybody. Uh, but if we have Robbie Ray um, with his tight pants uh, pitching well, we have just any mix of our pitchers um, performing well and just really holding the line. I think the Mariners are a, an extremely good team. Yeah. Uh, the pitching has definitely kept us in so many ball games this year. Mm-hmm. And the bullpen, the bullpen was elite last year. And it took a step back this year, and it's still elite. That just that just says something, and it it's almost like there's not even a weak link out there in the bullpen right now. I actually I would venture to say that there isn't a weak link in the bullpen, so that that gives me so much confidence going going to them late in games. The only yeah, thing I'd be like, oh, go ahead. I I was just gonna say I can't think of anyone that like I get sad when I see him come out of the bullpen like. I, I'm I'm excited to watch all of our guys in the pen. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at it. Um, everybody's insane. Uh, the only like thing I could be see a struggle is if we get a blow up start, long relief. Um, we don't have that great of options. Um, mm-hmm. for like two, three plus innings, which I mean, yeah, it's it's nice to have something like that in the regular season. But I'm looking at like postseason baseball wise, we're like strong. Uh, the weakest weakest link would be Castillo, uh, for me. He isn't doing as well as he has like last year or with the Rays. He has a sub one hundred ERA plus, but I don't think that tells the full story. I think he's just been struggling a little bit more to get strikeouts. Uh, but other than that, we're having insane. Like uh, looking at uh, Eric Swanson. He has an ERA plus of 300. Munoz, 138. Uh, Murphy, 158. Seawald, 137. And to call Diego Castillo a weak link is a really good sign because Diego Castillo has potential to be a top reliever in the American League. The thing with Castillo, too, is that he started out so bad, which is Mm -hmm. why he has those below-average numbers, but since... The Mets series in May or early June, he's been he's been lights out. Yeah, so, like season wise, he's the quote weak link, but like obviously taking that with a grain of salt, he's definitely not the weak link. He just had it's 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 tough for a reliever because you can have one start where you give up a three run home run and then boom, inflated ERA for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like I have. Oh, I'll take what we're getting out of Castillo, man. We got him from the Rays, and you never get success out of guys you get from the Rays. So, yeah, uh, I, I mean, you could take out, bring Castillo out, bases loaded, one out with a one run lead. I, I'm like, I'm not, I'm sweating because it's at uh, position. Bring out Castillo, I'm still like, I have faith. He's got this. Like, maybe not my first option to take out of the bullpen, but like, 
take him out, I'm still like I'm confident in there and just pull us pull us out. Uh, real quick on your point about like the long relief pitching out of the bullpen. I think, you know, if we were really worried about that for like the postseason and whatnot, you could bring on Mad Bum. You know, he's a great postseason pitcher. And he's kind of not he's not nearly what he was back in the day, but I think I think I'd trust him to be a guy in the in the postseason that we could rely on. Do you think Mad Bum would accept being in the bullpen and not in the rotation? I don't know. I feel like he would <laughs> hear that and then yell at the front office. Yeah, he'd walk out and become a professional whatever he anything the profession. He was like a, a yeah. team bull roper or whatever it was. A professional anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Lacrosse. I think that's a good stopping point, though, for the first episode. I think that we had some good discussion. We definitely brought up some topics that were pretty interesting. Uh, we spent a long time on the trade deadline and thinking about trades, uh, which, I mean, it makes sense. We, we got a, a week until that, and it's a very it could be a very significant trade deadline. Like, this trade deadline mm-hmm. could go down as what saved the Mariners, uh, made, brought them to the playoffs, depending on what Depoto does. And just Depoto could not trade for anybody, and that could be the secret ingredient. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm very excited for the rest of the season. It's 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 a fun, fun time to be a Mariners fan, but very stressful because of how close they are to the postseason. A hundred percent. I agree with that. I, I want them to make the postseason so bad, and this team is so exciting to watch, but I'm going to be a little stressful watching the games down the stretch and I they need to make I want them to make a splash the deadline kind of give the fans the the notion that we're going all in we're ready for it mm-hmm. I'm fine if we don't do anything at the deadline though you know keep our chemistry we have right now keep it good I think I think this team is good enough team to at least go to the postseason if not make a run in the postseason yeah I think the one thing that Depoto could do uh, is to, to hire me as the bat boy. Um, I think that uh, team morale wise, I think that's the most significant move he could make. Yes, and on that note, we'll wrap up the podcast for today. First episode. Thank you for listening. Anyone that's out there, um, feel free to check us out on Twitter at Everything Nerves is the handle. At Everything Nerves is kind of the username, whatnot. Uh, feel free to check us out there. We tweet a lot. Maybe I'll get the blog up and running again. But for now, uh, thank you for listening to this podcast, and go Mariners.